Hi, we are Easy A's, Angie and Amanda, two best friends with a decade between us, which has shown us that you don't have to be at the same age and stage to get each other at a soul level. We believe life should be easy, not to say that it won't be complicated, but we are finding it is possible to move through life with more ease. Join us as we go down the rabbit hole of anything and everything that is lighting us up at the moment. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Another week, another conversation. We're excited to be here today. We're very excited. We have some special guests joining us today. We do. Absolutely. This week, we are graced with the presence of my brother and sister-in-law, Brad and Libby Berkey. And we're going to have a really fantastic conversation about how they have embraced the concept of letting ease into their life and allow it to kind of move them throughout the world. And they, I just can't think of anybody that's a better example of this that I have met in my life. Right. And it, it's a real, I don't know, real motivator to me to learn how to kind of give up control sometimes and allow things to happen in ways that they're meant to happen. And so the backstory for Brad and Libby, they've been married for a long time and they can tell us about all of that. But what really started to set their lives apart from how I've seen other people live their lives is when they embarked on this journey of creating something in Denver, Colorado called the same cafe and same stands for so all may eat. And Brad and Libby have had a heart for service and feeding people and getting food in the mouths of hungry people who might be less fortunate or disenfranchised for a very long time. But they took it a step way beyond what most people do and decided to make that their life, right? And I just really think that they have a lot to share about how that process came about for them, what all they were impacted by during their years with Same Cafe, and also how they have, you know, decided to allow this kind of concept of ease and allowing to happen in their lives, even since they have stepped away from the cafe um, on a day-to-day basis. So yeah, I'm excited. Just excited to talk to them. Um, So welcome Brad and Libby to Easy A's. Happy to have you guys here today. Thank you. It's awesome to be on with you. Yeah, we're so happy that this worked out. So Brad and Libby are in Florida and Amanda and I are in Denver. So uh, if our audio quality is not amazing today, it's because we're doing this via Zoom, but it's fun to see their faces and and be able to have this conversation. And we just are so, so glad it worked out. We've been trying to make this work for a few weeks and glad it, glad it worked out today. The stars have aligned and we can talk to each other. The stars have aligned. (laughs) Hopefully it doesn't take that much coordination for us to be able to have a conversation (laughs) on a regular basis since we're family and all, but (laughs) but we appreciate you taking the middle of your day out on this probably gorgeous day in Florida to to be with us. It looks like you guys just got done with a a good run and we're jealous. Yeah, what's the temperature there? Like 80, maybe? Nice. Mm. 80, 80 and sweaty. 80 and sweaty. Yeah. sweaty. Yes. Humidity is real here. It's a thing. I think I forgot about that because I used to live in Florida That's and I'm right. about to go to Jekyll Island, Georgia, which oh. 
I keep calling it Jekyll Hyde. <laughs> and I my mom was like, that's that. not the name. <laughs> I'm going to a wedding there, but I'm flying into Jacksonville and I think I forgot how humid I'm going to be or how sweaty I'm going to be. Yeah, it's going to be. <laughs> I'm going to need gonna real, real deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> and your hair is going to get curly. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I, I kind of like it though. I kind of like the humidity. It's really, I mean, I, I thought it was going to be torturous, but it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It kind of feels good. Denver, yeah. 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 A little, there's a, like last night we actually got to sleep with the windows open, which doesn't happen very often because humidity was pretty low last night, but it's back in full force today. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. probably a real ebb and flow. Well, it's a real <laughs> different, a departure from Denver weather for sure. And yeah. we'll definitely talk about why you're in Florida eventually, but for now let's kind of back up a little bit and talk. I mean, just give us a quick overview of, you know, your guys's life together and, you know, have to give us, you know, from, from inception to where Start we are from today. The <laughs> but obviously you guys have done something really unique with your lives. And so I think, we are interested in hearing, and I think our listeners will be interested in hearing what kind of got you to the point where Same Cafe became a reality in your lives. So wherever you want to start from there. Sure. Uh, so, you know, Libby and I met when we were both in college um, and, you know, having been raised in kind of similar households, we, we found out, you know, both of our dads were th- worked in construction, both of our moms worked in schools. Um, and it, we both were pretty regular church going, um, and, and involved in these youth group things where we would go and do service projects, uh, and not ever together, but, you know, just separately and, and in our different groups. Um, and so it was really cool when we got together and we realized we'd had these similar situations and similar experiences and just, um, how those experiences had shaped our kind of our, our personal beliefs and, and uh, structures and how it leaned us into want to kind of do something with a service-oriented stint. Um, but then we graduated from college and kind of got scared and went, <laughs> went <laughs> As into we regular corporate jobs instead of uh, the Peace Corps or uh, things that we had considered doing mm-hmm. um, at first. Um, and then we kind of regrouped uh, after a few years of that and weren't really being fulfilled and said, you know, to each other, these lives are okay, uh, but it's not really, it's not really filling our souls. You know, it's, it's feeding our, Mm. uh, or, you know, our bodies, but it's not really doing anything more for us. And so what do we really want to do? Where do we want to be? And Libby, I'll let you take it from here. That's about the time that we moved to Colorado and, followed angie you have been out there that's right i'm the younger one but you followed me here yeah yeah we did um brad had had gotten laid off from his um regular old um job his computer job and we were just like okay where can we go and we started looking you know lots of different cities and denver was our favorite um and luckily i got a job teaching and so we kind of went to denver with the idea that a change of scenery was enough for us um, when in reality, we still felt that sort of itch. I was teaching in a school that I thought was going to be really focused on service. That's what drew, drew me to that school. They had a service learning component as part of um, their elementary education. And then um, simultaneously, we had friends who were living at the Catholic Worker House, uh, which is a sort of a hospitality house or a day shelter 
kind of, or a, um, a shelter sort of, it's more of a community than a shelter. Um, but so we started volunteering with them. Uh, one of my friends from college and we just really loved volunteering there on Tuesday nights. And it, it really sort of planted a seed for us of what that could look like more permanently. And we really got to know the residents who are living there and um, building community there with them. And it became sort of um, kind of the spark that pushed us into doing something more. We, we, the, the school turned out to, to not actually really focus on service learning. It was sort of a token part of their program, which was nice. I mean, it was, it was a great, it was a great attribute that they were incorporating into the education of the kids, but it wasn't exactly what I, I was expecting when I started there. So I, I stuck it out for as, for as long as I could. Um, and we just kept dreaming about what is it, what is it really that's calling us? What are we supposed to be doing? And at the um, same time, I was, I was running a lot and I was working as, uh, in consulting, doing computer consulting work. Uh, it was kind of a contract day-to-day, week-to-week kind of jobs. Um, and so had this kind of feeling of impermanence in my career and uh, at the same time as I was going out and doing all these kind of introspective runs and trying to figure out where where we feel, fit in in the world. Um, and so went to happen to be able to run a, go run a marathon in Austin. And it was on the flight back after that marathon in Austin where we we had our, our aha moment. Ooh, uh, ooh. <laughs> this, this amazing thing of, uh, you know, we're in the middle of a conversation of what what do we want to do with our ourselves and what should we be doing? And we love, you know, helping people out and we love food and how can we make that more uh, a permanent part of our lives? I'm like, well, why don't we open a restaurant and just, you know, not, not have prices. That sounds normal. That's, that's something that you can do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time you guys told me about it and I was like, or you could have prices, but people could still donate money if they wanted. I was like, what are you talking about? No, people, are, people are so honest and so good and they were, they're going to want to participate. They're going to want this. We just know it. And people looking at it as like, we were crazy. And right. uh, admittedly so, we were a little bit. You have to be a little crazy to... to Right. Some of these, uh, you know, business startup things that have never really been done before. Uh, there so we weren't many to... people who were brave enough to call us out, though. You can you, you have to be really honest. People gave us funny looks, but they didn't. They cheerleaded us like but they were like, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yes. Yes. Behind the scenes, they were like, these two are nuts. <laughs> I'm positive they were. <laughs> and that may be. But I think. I just love the tenacity with which you like stuck to your vision too. And so from that time period that that became that aha moment and that seed in your mind, how long was it then between, you know, kind of ideation to opening? And also I'd love to hear more along the way about how the idea shifted and what the actual concept was when you opened your doors. So the well, time frame. I was going to say, I think it's probably like three years. Yeah, it was January, February of 2003 on the flight um, and the open for operation in October of 2006. October 6th. Six. Yeah. Uh, so it took, 
a little over three years. Um, and yeah, there's a whole lot of shifting and, and molding and forming of, of the- Because that the, first conversation, the first, the in-flight magazine that we wrote on and had all our ideas on, we thought we were going to have white tablecloths and we would have servers and it would be really upscale and it would be fine dining and it would be such a treat for people to come in and, and have that sort of experience. Um, and, and we had all kinds of ridiculous ideas we, Brad wanted to get up early and have breakfast because he loves breakfast. And I was like, uh, no, we are not, <laughs> I'm not getting up that early. And now I get up at 4 a.m. Right, <laughs> so right. Ridiculous. I could have done it, but I did not have any desire to do that. Um, but I mean, as the, as we went along, we just, there were so many times that we sort of, um, I mean, we put the idea out into the universe and started telling people about it yeah. and we yeah. would get feedback back. Like people would say things like, Oh, that's interesting. Uh, and then we started sharing with the, the folks who are living at the Catholic worker and saying, would you come to this restaurant with this, some, you know, what kind of food would you want here? What would you want to be served? Would you like, what, how would this feel? And what do you want the inside to look like? And it, again, it was our like sort of, um, this, this is going to be a treat. Like we thought this would be an experience for someone and they would really appreciate it. And a lot of the times we had, um, we had, we had uh, an opportunity to really listen and, and really open ourselves to, to what we were doing instead of us creating something that we thought should be for mm. other people, like mm -hmm. for them, we started listening to what they need and what, they wanted and what we realized was that no one would feel comfortable mm. no one who needed same cafe in a way that we were striving to sort of target felt really comfortable going into a space like that because for their whole lives if someone was already experiencing poverty or already in need they have been told by society that they don't belong in a place where there's a white tablecloth and mm. servers and nice upscale environment pretty much that's been the message to them is that you don't belong here um, right. and you are not welcome here. So it didn't even, I mean, that for Brad and I was a very like, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. That makes total sense. I did not think about it from that perspective. And so our idea sort of shifted into a, a still very um, high end food. We still wanted to offer things that we thought were, were approachable but healthy and um something that i would want to eat if i went out to eat like i wanted to eat i knew i was going to eat there every single day and so i wanted it to be food i wanted to wanted to, that i would enjoy yeah. um but in an environment that was much more approachable for people from all walks of life so Absolutely. over the course of the time it was like okay so ixnay the white tablecloths there will be no servers <laughs> um this is how we'll have to change this so we just mm -hmm. we came you know we sort of fell into the kind of um, fast casual or, or I don't even know what you would, what sort of category you would put same in, but I think quick fast service. Food. Yeah. Um, quick yeah service. That kind of thing. Definitely not fast food, but you know, no. quicker, uh, but focusing on organic ingredients and, and healthy food options and just having options in general, we knew it was going to be one of the big things that would differentiate us um, as far as, giving people a choice that don't often get choices in their daily uh, food intakes. And so we wanted to make sure that we focused on that and, and kept it 
healthy, kept it clean and, and, and approachable. Mm-hmm. How did you keep the momentum three years? I think when I hear that, I'm like, Oh, that that's a long time. <laughs> you know, Angie and I have a lot of ideas, we have a lot of ideas, <laughs> like three years. <laughs> that's that's what I was thinking, thinking three too. months. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Um, so how did you, <clears throat> how did you keep taking, you know, maybe steps and maybe sometimes it was small, te- small steps, but you know, how did you keep working towards your goal through that time? There was a lot of, uh, the first half, we just did a whole lot of research. We were like, I don't even know if it's legal to do this. Is it even possible? Like, what does this look like? Is this a nonprofit? Is it a for-profit? Who do we talk to? Who knows the answers? Um, a lot of, a lot of the times we came, we found that no one knew what to do with us. Like we would ask the city and county and they would say, what you want to do? What? We get well, yeah, a lot of whys. Why do you want to do, do that? It. We don't recommend it. But <laughs> <laughs> we, we had some people laugh at us. Yeah. Um, we, we did get a mentor from the um, Small Business Administration. And uh, that guy met with Brad like once a, once a month for an hour. Um, and his first conversation, he did laugh at us. Um, but after a while, he realized that Brad wasn't going anywhere and he was pretty serious. And so he kept he kept meeting with him and tried to do his best to help him. So that was probably like the research and the, the small business administration was like the first, I would say six months to eight months. So from Jan, when we came back from January, I mean, we, I was still teaching, Brad was still working his computer consulting job. So this is like on nights and weekends. I mean, this is like the, at, you know, our hobby, it became kind of what we did in our free time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then during the summer when I wasn't teaching, I spent a lot of time focused on it and trying to figure out that's when we wrote our business plan. And that's when we kind of buckled down and did a whole lot more because I was available more often. And then when school started back up that first year, we both were like, all right, put some pause. Like, doesn't we can't do anything right now. Um, but then Nothing. something would come up, like something would, would trigger it again or someone would say, hey, I thought what happened to your restaurant idea? Or where's that restaurant? Ha- what, you know, what's happened with that? Um, and it became very clear to us. One of us needed to go to culinary school just to get some credibility. And like, we didn't, we didn't think that anyone after meeting with the uh, small business administration, um, he pretty much gave us the advice that no one's going to loan you any money. No one is going to invest in this because not a bank, not a anything like you are going to have to, you're going to have to do this all on your own and you're going to have to get as much, um, credibility as you can before you open because restaurants fail all the time. They fail. Most restaurants fail within the first year. If you make it past the first year, you're really lucky. Um, I think, I think it's as high as like 70% of restaurants fail in the first year. I used to know the numbers exactly. Um, but it's, it's huge. And the idea that, you know, we could put all of this time and energy into this and it go plop. So we Mm -hmm. tried to do as much as we could leading up to that. Um, we flipped a coin and Brad got to go to culinary school. So he, um, he went to Metro, which is awesome downtown. And he could do it at during the day. And it was flexible enough at night um, that his job, his um, consulting job just sort of let him work around his schedule. So he was able to go to school full time and work full time, which was huge. I mean, that was a ton for us. Um, but I mean, that took, he was in classes for, so three of those years, I mean, of the three years, he was in classes for probably a year and a half. Um, yeah, it was a year and a half. And I, 
I mean, between all the, there was so much to do. I mean, it, it wasn't that we, uh, you know, just kind of had this inkling in the back of our mind that we thought maybe it was, we knew we had so much to do that we had to get started on it. We had to, you know, start taking the classes and start looking at restaurant uh, build outs and business plans and, and structures. And um, because we had, it helped us to stay focused because we had put it out there to so many people that they kept us, like Libby said, they kept asking about it. And so mm -hmm. that, it helped us to keep, um, you know, keep focused and keep on it uh, because we were being held accountable by our, our family and friends. So they wanted to know how it was going. And so we, we wanted to made us want to keep going and, and not lose our momentum and, and make something happen. So right. making these small steps and getting there. Yeah. And I think too, when you think about a journey like this, you think about there are always going to be certain markers that stand out in your mind as like certain cliffs that you're diving off of, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I think, I, I mean, just knowing you guys and having been intimately around you while this was all going on, I know what I would say in my mind, but I'd be really curious to hear... So you've gone through this process, you've ideated, you've prepared Brad's in culinary school, you're doing all of this. What's the first big cliff that you dove off of um, when, you were, when you were in progress of, of opening same? Uh, the first, at least in my mind, the first thing was I went from full-time to part-time uh, in, my, in my day job. Um, because that was a, a significant cut, uh, cutting down in hours so that I could focus more on school. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a, that was a big deal. Yeah. And then you also mentioned that you had no funding opportunities. So to me, I'm in my mind. I'm thinking one big cliff was how do we get this money? And well, that was huge. Yeah. And but but what did you do? I mean, I think it's important to. Well, and the hard part was it. It certainly at that point, it seemed like an extreme, like we, we felt like it was a sort of do it or don't do it kind of moment when, when we were talking about the money, but it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a split second decision. It wasn't just like, oh, I stepped off the click clip and now there, there we mm -hmm. are. Mm -hmm. We sort of played this, um, very, very sort of strategically and, and, uh, safely, probably really naively too. Mm -hmm. um, but we, we sent a letter out and asked our friends and family to sponsor certain things like spatulas and refrigerators. And we just listed the whole thing and said how much they cost and then asked people to, to donate and said, you know, eventually this will be tax deductible once we get our 501c3 um, status. Um, and I can remember Angie, Grandma Berkey sent us enough money to buy our first refrigerator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> from so a woman can, who has no additional no, income, right? No, none. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was so sweet. Um, yeah. But... Was I think crowdfunding before was, crowdfunding really yeah. ever entered our our sphere of existence anyway, and so yeah, just imagine that little, little grandma get to be part of a, a crowdfunding campaign. Right, right. I love it. Um, it wasn't a lot of money that we got. I mean, I think we probably got three or four thousand dollars, maybe at the most. And and some people sent actual things, like some people sent us a spatula, and some people sent us a pizza cutter, and pizza <laughs> it was awesome. It was like right. Christmas getting those things in the mail. Um, 
but I think it was really when we took the money, the, the major chunk of money out of our IRAs and our 401k. We yeah. pulled everything out of those, even though both sets of parents said, don't do that. Um, and we, we had a board at the time. So we had already assembled people around us that knew more about starting a business or running a business or running a nonprofit than we did. Um, and they were, they were great. And they advised us to loan the um, nonprofit the money. And so we wrote a note and loaned the nonprofit our, the amount of money that was in oh. our 401ks and our, um, our IRAs, which was not a lot of money. I, I think it was like $20,000, maybe 28, maybe, maybe close to 30. I don't even remember. Yeah. Do you Under remember? 30 for sure. But yeah. it's amazing to think about doing something like that. Like how many people bet on themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And and you guys weren't even betting on yourselves. You were betting on the idea that this was needed in the community. And you were yeah. betting on the idea of community, right? Yeah. Because that's one thing oh, we yeah. haven't talked about yet. But like your whole idea was premised on the fact that these people were not going to just be bodies coming in to eat food. They were going yeah. to be friends. They were going to be neighbors. They were going to be a community. Yes. And I think that is also just a huge piece of, of what you guys were trying to create. It is. And, and I think that's, that was the core of our like um, tenacity came from that belief that people are good. Like mm-hmm. people are good. And people are people, no matter what's happening in their life, no matter if they're experiencing homelessness or they're experiencing, you know, underemployment, whatever it is, they're still people. They're right. still amazing human beings and have a story to tell. And I think that's, we, we forget that about people. We put people in boxes and we categorize them as homeless or we categorize them as poor or we categorize them as lazy. And yet we forget that there's a whole lineage of events that brought them to that category like there's a reason there's a reason why they're in this position mm-hmm. and we knew that the cafe would give people a space to just breathe and just mm-hmm. be and just and and I think that ultimately was the thing that just kept driving us was that we believe people were good and yeah. I mean a thousand times over we know it Yeah. And I think, so if we think about this journey, I mean, we can break down and talk about when you got your lease signed and when you expanded the restaurant and all the different things you've done over the years, but you guys opened your doors in October of 2006. And for the next better part of 12 or 13 years, same cafe was day in and day out your existence all of, all of the time. Yep. And I would just love to hear a little bit about how, how did that, I mean, you transformed the community around Same Cafe, but it transformed you too. And oh, definitely. I would just love to hear a little bit about some of that. So we, uh, you know, when the restaurant opened, we decided that we were going to staff it ourselves. We, we, we didn't, uh, didn't plan on hiring people. We didn't have the money to hire anybody. We didn't even have the money to pay ourselves. So we were just going in and running this place and serving food and meeting people in the neighborhood and getting to know them and very quickly realizing that, you know, the intention was to get food out to people at first. That was our initial intention. And it became building community around food very quickly. Um, And just getting to 
you know, meet people that were coming in for the first time, getting, watching them get to meet with each other, uh, you know, folks that would have never been in the same space, never struck up a conversation. You might have a, a you know, somebody, a business person from downtown uh, coming in and sitting next to somebody who shovels snow on the sidewalk for, you know, a couple bucks and talking about how the Nuggets did that weekend. Or, you know, it was, it was just this amazing group of people from all over and watching it and, and being part of it. It really did. It, it changed a lot of our outlook and on what living in, in a community was, was like and being part of a community should be like. Uh, and so we really wanted to just focus on that and try to keep that balance as, as best we could. Um, you know, knowing that people that desired good, healthy food were going to come in for that and knowing that people that needed a, a meal were going to come in for that reason, that, that everybody was going to support it by chipping in however they could, whether they had a few bucks that they could throw in the donation box or if they, you know, had a 10 minutes and were able to bust some dishes or sweep the floor, wipe down tables for us. Uh, no matter what their contribution was, it was all appreciated. It was all needed. We, we needed every bit of that assistance to, you know, both financially and otherwise to, to be able to run it because, you know, like I said, Libby and I were doing, doing the bulk of the work uh, as best we could by, you know, these two naive <laughs> newbie uh, restaurateurs were trying to make a go of it. Um, and so you did the majority of it those first years. I was still teaching. I was going to ask when you stopped yeah. teaching. Yeah, I worked. We, we were in the very beginning, we were open on Friday and Saturday nights. So on okay. Friday after school, I would go in and I'd work Friday dinner and all day Saturday. We'd, we'd be open for lunch and, and dinner on Saturdays. And I, and we did that. I did that. And every day, every single day I would go over after I was done teaching and Brad would leave. He would go to his consulting job because he, he kept working part-time. That was also part of our, our, our baby steps. Like he kept working. I kept working. We still had health insurance. We paid off our car. We, you know, we were trying to do things financially in a smart way. We knew we weren't going to get paid at same. And so he was able to leave every day and go to his, his consulting job around three. And then I would finish my grading and whatever else I needed to do at school. And then I would drive over and I would work at the cafe until he was ready to go home from his consulting job. And so I'd pick him up at like 10 o'clock at night downtown and we'd head home and we'd do it all over the next day. And when I went to the cafe, I would make pizza dough for the next day, or I'd make cookies or I'd pay the bills or I'd answer the phone calls that, you know, all the messages, or I'd answer the emails or open the mail or whatever. Um, and it was probably two and a half years in when I, when Brad was like, okay, I mean, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> by myself we we were we were 16 seats at the time uh inside it was tiny 600 square feet and we were bursting at the seams the the dot-com industry had had totally crashed and the economy was just tanking in denver it took a while to hit to hit denver it was probably not until 2009 when it really sort of um impacted the most people and yeah, we saw agree. our numbers go from like 15 to 20 people a day to 75 or a hundred and the average daily donation went from seven, $8 a day to $3 a day, $2 a day, $1 a day. And Brad's like, okay, so I can't figure this out. Like I can't make 75 people food by myself. And, uh, 
I just said, okay, I think that's it. And I told school that I needed to, to quit. And they were great. They were really awesome. The, the, the year before I told them like, this is hard. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how this works. And during my planning periods, they would let me go over to the cafe. And I mean, they were really amazing. They, they would have made it work if I wanted to stay um, at the cafe or uh, stay at the cafe and stay at school. I just felt like I was 50% in both places. Mm-hmm. I right. couldn't give a hundred percent to either one. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to the families. and It wasn't fair to Brad. Um, it wasn't, I was missing out on a lot at the, at the, a, a lot of community building that saying that, you know, I would get to hear, you know, from Brad at night and I would just be jealous. I'd be like, wait, I want to know him like that. I want to, I want to see that happen. I want to, I want to witness that amazing moment. Um, so I quit at about, I think three years in. Yeah. I think it was, that's... I think it was 2010 was when I came like school year, 2010, 2010, 2011. I think I taught school year, 2009, 2010 as my last year. Um, How did you make that? You said three, it went to $3 a day or less. Yeah, well, or how less do you, I don't understand how you, how you make that money work in that. Were you like making, you know, Jesus making loaves and like <laughs> how did dividing you, them? There were a couple days like that where we were like, Oh, please, this has got, there's some miracle that has to happen now. Um, and, and to be really honest, there, it was a lot of just being very transparent with not only our customers, but with granting organizations. I got really good at, I mean, we figured out right away how to, I mean, once we got our nonprofit status and we had a couple of years under our belt where we were um, like 2006 and 2007 were great. I mean, they were really good for us. We, we had, we weren't paying any employees. So, you know, when you're not paying that part of your overhead, it's pretty easy to make ends meet when you don't have a salary, you don't have hourly wages to pay. Um, you know, we were paying pretty much our rent, our food and our, whatever insurance and other bills that needed to be paid. Um, so we were able to make ends meet those first two years. So we had good looking books to go to granting organizations and say, Hey, listen, now that, now that we're in an economic crisis and we're seeing this rise in people and we have two years under our belt of doing this, we know how to do this. We need to ramp up what we're doing. Can you help us do that? And we had great success. I mean, we had, there were, there are so many organizations in Denver who at the time were focusing on food justice and um, getting better food options out to people who needed them that we, you know, foundations really rallied around us when we asked for help. Uh, and the, the first yeah, years, a lot of small amounts from yeah, small, many yes. different organizations. Yeah. Not, nobody was giving huge dollars, but you know, you know, 500 here, you know, 1500 here really made a big difference when we needed, mm-hmm. you know, three or $400 a day to operate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it eventually, I mean, it, it did, a, it, it came to a point where writing grants was needed to be more of a full-time job for someone. Um, and it happened to be that I got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Another Lucky really, Libby. Another yes. really cool thing that happened at that time was right when the things were getting down there in those, you know, two to three dollar uh, per person. Um, and the numbers of people were were going so high up around 100 people a day uh, that it also happened that the press started covering same cafe and and what was happening in Denver and on, on Colfax at that time. And so it, on a national it, level, on a national ABC, level, yeah, ABC yeah. Nightly News, wasn't it? ABC. ABC. It, it was 
Actually, NBC. NBC was the big one, but ABC covered it. CBS covered it. They all did. Um, but NBC Nightly News was the real big one. Where, making uh, a different segment. Making a difference, yeah. Where, and you guys started getting donations from all over the country. Oh, yeah. All over. Yeah, we had yeah. hundreds and hundreds of phone calls and emails. We and... couldn't answer the phone. Like, we, it just rang and rang and rang. Like, there was, <laughs> and they warned us. They were like, get ready. You're going to, you're going to. I mean, I don't know how to tell you this, but you need to get ready. Right. Our inbox was, was full. So cool. Like we couldn't take any more messages. The mail would come and the mailman would be like, here you go. Like bringing <laughs> us an extra bag. Like he'd be carrying a bag just for us. And like, isn't oh, that the segment girl. where John Bon Jovi's wife learned about Same Cafe and decided yeah. she exactly. wanted to start mm-hmm. something similar in New Jersey? Yeah. And now yeah. they have three. Now they have three. Yeah, and that's the thing is you guys started um like it was not a moment it's a movement right like that line from Hamilton I feel that way about what you guys did with with food justice <laughs> I was like oh that I was not thinking Hamilton I was like yeah that famous it's quote not a moment, by it's a someone movement. <laughs> and it, that's what you did with food justice and I think like that's what's so exciting to see other people there were other Denver places that started wanting to do similar things all over the country. And you guys have been speaking about this now at, at different conferences and things like that over the last 15 years, this has really become a real movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are right now, currently there are probably 35 or 40 other restaurants that operate somewhat like same. Um, And we have, played a role, whether it's cheerleader or, you know, advisor to them uh, in some way. Most of them, I would say 90% of them, we've had some sort of um, hand in, in helping them along, some yeah. more than others. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's incredible. It's absolutely um, overwhelming sometimes to think about. And I mean, it sounds like it was all like cheery and easy and fabulous. No, and <laughs> it doesn't actually. It actually it, sounds really hard. <laughs> it was really hard. Yeah, we, we think about that often. Um, and, you know, when when we left in, in oh, what, 2018? 17, um, yeah. 17, yeah. It, it, was, it was one of those things where we were, we just had to take a breath. Like, yeah. It, it, there was just never a moment to breathe. Right. And, you know, working for 12 years straight and not breathing. I mean, I don't highly, I don't recommend <laughs> that to anyone. Don't recommend it's, it, yeah. It, as fulfilling and amazing and awesome as every relationship we built with our, with the community there was, um, it also took a toll. Like being, right. being, uh, I don't even know what the, what the word is that I, I'm looking for but well, like a frontline essentially a frontline worker when you're when you're having to deal with uh and and talk to people every day where you have a lot of these um you know folks that are coming in and they've experienced trauma in their lives and you know they just are in need of somebody to listen to them somebody to you know help them out or give them by helping them get a good meal uh, and so that that position of, you know, of talking with people, serving them is really, you know, it, it can be super fulfilling, but can also be a drain on, mm-hmm. on your psyche and your, your soul. It's, and you know, and that's term. the thing that I think we didn't understand when, when we were in the midst of it, we just kept giving, 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 giving. We thought that was the important thing. 
Like just, just focus on continuing to build this and continuing to support people in this way. What we didn't understand was how to recharge for mm-hmm. ourselves so that we could keep going. Mm-hmm. And eventually I think that caught up to, to both of us. I think it took me a little longer than it took Brad. Um, but really, I mean, when you think about it, Brad is an introvert in like the most perfect way that you can describe one. Mm-hmm. And he is in a position of forward facing uh, interpersonal relationship on an extreme level every single day. Not, not just like, not just having conversations, but he is, or he was, you know, in very intense situations, giving of himself and experiencing secondary trauma to an introvert is like emptying right. a gas tank every single day. Like, let's just, let's just have a hole in the gas tank. Like, yeah, you can put gas in, but there's a hole and it's coming out and right. your engine's only going to run for so long. Um, and there were points when, I mean, we sort of put band-aids on our gas tanks, I guess you could say. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we tried, we tried to, you know, we saw, we saw what was happening and we thought, oh, we just need a little vacation. Oh, we just need to, we just need to do this. Oh, we just need, we to, need to hire a new, you know, hire a staff hire a member. But we never actually took care of ourselves. Like we never actually did the things that we right. needed to do in order to refill and recharge. And uh, so eventually we got to a point where we were, we were both totally like somebody else, somebody else has to, has to step in because we knew same cafe still needed to be there. And we didn't do the essential work for ourselves to make sure that we were the ones to be there. And I think we both look back on it now and think, shit, we should have, we should have done a better job of taking care of ourselves. We should have done a better job of self-care. And I'm not talking about like masseuse and getting your nails done (laughs) and buying yourself a coffee. I'm talking about like every day figuring out how to decompress in a way that's really meaningful so that you can get up the next day and do the hard work because Every day, someone needed something really intense. It wasn't always, it wasn't always bad. Like we oftentimes had, I mean, it was on Colfax. There were people who were struggling with drug and alcohol and there were people who were um, struggling with mental health issues. And so those were intense, but there were also people who just needed someone to listen to them and yeah. to, to talk to and to be friends with them and to care about them and to follow up with them and hold them accountable. And as amazing as that is, community is hard. Community yeah. is not easy. Building community is not easy. And so for people who are in the roles of, of, of being part of community, it's really important. I mean, it's just like when we say, you know, that moms need to take a break, they need to take care of themselves so that they can be good moms. It's the same thing. Like it's, the, it's, the, exact, same, it's the exact same thing. I once got a Mother's Day card from one of our customers and he was like, you're the closest thing I got to a mom. Oh my God, oh my God this is so cute. So essentially we were moms and dads to hundreds of, people. of our customers. And, and we never took the time to just digest what that was to our, what it did to ourselves and how to, to take care of ourselves so that we could do it longer. Um, and there was a real grieving process there. Like both oh, of sure. us a really hard time because we knew the power of this place and we knew the power of community and we wanted to continue to see it grow. And yet there was this moment of like failure. We both felt like Mm. we have failed because we can't keep doing it. 
we can't keep doing it, but yeah. it needs to keep going. And right. if, but if we keep staying in our roles and keep doing what we're doing, we're going to bring the whole thing down in a big yes. mess. And right. we did not want that to happen. It was, if we don't step out, if we don't step back and give, you know, hand the reins over to somebody else, this thing is going down and, you know, we're going to have to close the doors and it's not going to be, that's not what we want. We, we definitely didn't want that. And so we had to face the, uh, you know, the reality that we were going to have to give up control that we were going to have to let somebody else take our baby and, and guide it down the path and run with it and and take it to the next level. Take it to the next level. Because we weren't those people. We knew, we knew we weren't those people. Like, yeah. Sounds like to me, even though you went through that hard experience, but now you're able to educate others who are doing the similar thing. And so while that maybe kind of sucks to look back on and say that was really hard, like you can offer so much to people who are doing this, you're paving the way. And I think being the paver is a really hard job. Absolutely. But, um, I don't know. I think that's I think cool. that's what just hit me too, is that like you had this idea that you felt compelled and drawn toward bringing to life and you did that. And in the course of it, you had to learn a really difficult lesson, but that is the seed that's been planted for now what you guys are doing. And so let's talk a little bit about that because out of your exhaustion, out of your lack of self-care, and you know, we all like to talk about self-care. And for me, that might look like a bath or it might look like a manicure, or it might look like a massage, but I'm not dealing with the things you were dealing with on a day-to-day basis. And so there are basic levels of hashtag self-care that we can be doing. And you guys are now in a place to be able to provide that to other people who were in similar positions to you. So um, I'd love to kind of pick up from there where you recognized what was going on for you. You were able to put new leadership in place at Same Cafe. Yeah. It's thriving. It's on to its next chapter. It's doing amazing. My daughter is now volunteering there. <laughs> um, and it is just amazing to see what it's doing. But you guys are now plugged in in a new way and magnetized toward a new path. As Amanda said, like it was that experience that opened up this new door for you. So. I'd love, I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, so we, uh, we did hand the reins over at the end of 2017. We found an amazing new executive director and operations manager. And we knew that if we stuck around Denver, and we wouldn't be able to stay away. And mm. we didn't want our, our new leadership folks to feel like we were constantly you know, looking over their shoulder. So we hit the road. We packed up and got in our car and our camp drove our camper behind us and we started traveling uh we wanted to wanted to just get away but we also had a little bit of a purpose in that we wanted to visit some of the other cafes that we had opened up and see some of the friends that we had made over the over the years in this you know community cafe uh kind of group and so movement yeah and so we we hit the road and we started driving around and visiting cafes and we initially wanted to we said we're gonna we need to be away for a month um so our goal is to be gone for one whole month and one whole month turned into you know two months and then three months and 
then it started getting really, really cold. <laughs> we hadn't planned on being gone through the really cold and we didn't have cold weather clothes and we were sleeping in a camper and it was freezing and icy and <laughs> snowstorm. So we had to go back and, and regroup a bit. Um, and we had to ask ourselves, you know, do we want to continue this or do we want to uh, give up and, or, you know, start a new chapter here in Denver. And we felt like the road was calling. And so we sold the house, we sold the car and the camper and bought a cargo van and outfitted it with a bed and a little kitchen and said, let's go. Uh, let's go see even more. We, we had seen a few cafes to start, but we knew there were 35 others that we hadn't seen. So we made it our goal to see as many of those as we could to make connections with as many of the people out there that were, you know, fighting the similar fight that were, you know, building community in their own ways. We wanted to learn from them. We wanted to see how they were doing things and we wanted to connect with those operators and, you know, just let them know we were there to listen. If they needed, they needed to talk, we were there. If they needed to, you know, some volunteers, we could jump in and, and sweep floors. We can cook a little, we can wash dishes, you know, if they, if they need a hand. Um, and we sort of evolved into this like um, contract kind of gig that we have been able to go to six different cafes and give their operators a break. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, we were sort of guest uh, chefs or however you would say it. Some, some we were the lead people while they were on vacation and others we were just supporting so that some staff could, could get away. Um, and it just gave those cafes an opportunity to breathe and to kind of regroup, which we never did. And we probably never would have taken it. If someone had come to us and said, oh, hey, we'll no. do this for you, we would not have done this for anyone <laughs> we else. We wouldn't have we, trusted them. <laughs> no, no. So, so part of our journey was just making connections with people and hoping that we were building those relationships in a way and that, they, that we had enough of a relationship with them that they could trust us and enough of a reputation that we we kind of knew what we were doing and you can leave, you can leave the baby with us. Um, yeah. yeah. Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and that has been really beautiful to mentor cafes through that process and even specific operators that we've become friends with and talk to them about what does it look like to do self-care in a role like this? And what do you need in order to get up tomorrow and feel good about going back there? And um, I think the, for for us, it's been really fulfilling to take what was so hard and 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 painful at points to and and let it be good for someone else moving in the same direction that we were. Mm -hmm. And how many community cafes did you guys visit? In you know, there were there were a couple of different times you were out on the road. Once when you were pulling your camper, and then when you had transitioned to your conversion van. But like, how many community cafes did you visit altogether? 52. Oh my gosh. And some of them, yeah. some of them don't exist now. So, right. Some of them don't exist now. Some of them are still kind of, we're in startup modes and starting to, you know, trying oh, to yeah. get going, yes. you know, they were in pop up until the point where yeah. COVID happened and then everything froze and changed and the word world got weird mm -hmm. uh, in so many ways. But yeah, there were a lot of them, you know, places that they might be open twice a month in this, you know, various parking lots around the city. So we, we saw a few of those. It's hard to see that, catch those at the right moment in time as we're traveling around. But yeah, 52. Wow. 
That's so incredible. And are you, so now, right now, you guys are home-based in Florida. You guys bought a really small property in Florida, but you have another small property in the back of it. You've got a little Airbnb situation going on. What What's next? Like in terms of whether you're hitting the road again, whether you're writing books about these amazing experiences, whether you have other nonprofit ideas, what's what's next? The Brad, big question, what is, what is next? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, we are sitting here currently in our, in our tiny house in Florida um, with our even tinier casita in the backyard. Um, and we'll be here, for, you know, for a few months. Um, while we're while we're here, we are working on a book. We're trying to put together our experiences, our stories, the you know the from the aha moment to the oh no moment, <laughs> <laughs> the oh craps, um, and everything. I think you should call it that. From the aha to the oh no. <laughs> oh, I like it. Um. And, and so that's one big thing. And the, and the other big thing that is going on is that our, our baby is, uh, is expanding. It's same cafe is going to be opening a second location and it's going to be in Toledo, Ohio. And they've asked us to come out of retirement <laughs> I guess. and pre-tirement is what I like to call it. Cause we're too, too young to be retired. So we were pre-tired. Um, <laughs> You were very pre-tired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we're going to go to Toledo and we're going to spend some time as this uh, cafe goes from nothing to uh, to opening. So wow. Very you heard it here. It's exciting. Very exciting. It's awesome. Very cool stuff. Did you guys ever along the way recognize how different the way you live life is from the majority of people? Hey, doesn't everybody drop everything and open, uh, <laughs> <laughs> live in a van for two years, thing, or then go work in a van, live out of a van? Um, yeah, we're crazy, um, but we like being a little different. And it's the the thought of living, you know, working in a cubicle for forty years in a row um, just sucked the soul right out of me there was no mm -hmm. way that, that I, I wanted that to happen and I'm so so grateful and so glad that I have a partner in Libby that is willing to put up with crazy harebrained ideas <laughs> as well as uh come up with some of her I was gonna own. say exactly. she's got every bit <laughs> as many as you do um, and you know to encourage that and to to want to be part of it uh with me um yeah it's it's really cool to be able to go out and, and see as much of the country and, and the world as we've been able to see in the past two, three years, and meet the people that we've met that we would have never known otherwise if we hadn't have you know, taken the, the, the leap to start same and join, you know, to run down that path and to follow our passions, follow our hearts. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great ride. Um, and yeah, we know we're, we are definitely not the, your typical couple. Oh, good, no. good Lord. <laughs> but you are the best aunts and uncles. <laughs> <laughs> well, we try. I, I don't know that we're the best, but we try. We you, like sure, our, 
You show up for the kids in in a really cool way. We don't like being this far away from them, but we're working on, we're working on creative ways to work around that. Yeah. Well, we would be supportive. I don't know what else. I, I just feel like we've learned a lot, even though I feel like I knew a lot of this stuff. It's just kind of getting, getting reacquainted with it in a new way. And it just makes me feel really inspired to make sure that I'm not letting the grass grow underneath my dreams and making sure that, you know, if we're feel, feeling those pings to get out and do something, to make something happen, to really do it because you just never know the impact it could have on one person or many people. And it certainly has a huge impact on the person doing it too. Just like I see how much it's transformed for you guys um, in your lives. So one person gave us some really good advice when we were really early on. And because like Angie, you were talking about the cliff and like jumping off the cliff and how scary it felt. And it felt very scary to both Brad and I, we both felt like we were at the edge of this enormous cliff and when you take that leap off, you hope a net will appear, but you're not really sure there's going to be one. But what we realized was there really was, there really was no other option. Like we mm. had to take the step because if we didn't take the step and we looked back 40, 50, 60 years from now and said, oh, what if we had done that? Mm-hmm. What if? Um, and both of us could not tolerate that sort of reality. And we also, the person also said to us, what's the worst thing that can happen? So you go back to your boring teaching job and you go back to your boring consulting job. Right. And That's you're the out, worst of it. You're out the $30,000. Right. And yeah. what were you going to do with it anyway? Right. Like, oh, and you have this great adventure to get it open. Like you're not, I mean, you should at least try. Yeah. If you don't try, then you're always going to wonder. What if? Yeah, absolutely. And for both Brad and I, we were like, Oh, oh, we can just go back to our teaching. <laughs> we <laughs> do like have skills. Finally, yeah. gave us we... permission. <laughs> <laughs> right? We're Isn't that the not, funny thing? We're not jumping off a cliff. We're just walking down a mountain. It just looks really scary. <laughs> <laughs> you can also, turn around and walk the other direction. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Choice and the ability to to just kind of put it all in perspective. I love that. So where can people find, obviously we'll make sure same cafes linked to if people want to follow them on Instagram or reach out to them, we'll make sure all of that's in the show notes. But in terms of if anybody wants to reach out to the two of you, if another community cafe wants you to come work with them, where can they find you? We are on Facebook as the Footloose Founders. Okay. Um, and I think we have an Instagram Footloose Founders we do. as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's us. Footloose Founders. Awesome. And we'll put some links to that too. Thank you both so much. I knew I knew some of the story, but this has been delightful to hear the whole entire entire story. Very inspiring. Yeah. Very cool. You guys are definitely expanders for for me. And yeah, for me. Glad too. to have heard your story today. Yes. Absolutely. If you haven't read, there's a children's book called um, What Do You Do With an Idea? And it's got beautiful, beautiful pictures in it. Um, and someone gave it to me as we were leaving Same as a gift. And it's one of the most precious gifts I have. It is uh, beautiful about, mm. um, you know, that there are people in the world who take this sort of thing that is an idea and you nurture it and watch it and um, put it out into the universe and then eventually let it go. And the, the picture book is just 
incredible. And it sort of sums up Brad and I's experience with, with same. That's pretty awesome. So if you haven't seen it, you should go look at it. Oh, I absolutely awesome. will for yeah. sure. Thank you too for having us on. It's been great to talk with you and share our crazy experience about our wacky life and, and the cafe <laughs> and everything in between. So yeah, thank you. Great. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, all. We'll talk to you soon. That's a wrap for this episode of Easy A's podcast. Thank you for stopping by and joining us. For more information on what we discussed today, check out the links in the show notes. We'll be back at you soon for another conversation amongst friends. But if you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, find us on Instagram at Easy A's Podcast. We'd also be ever so grateful if you would take a hot second to subscribe to our podcast and give us a quick rate and review. And better yet, share us with one of your friends. See you soon.